Hi everyone and welcome back to Dot to Dot, an educational podcast for teachers that shines light on the things that are working well in industry and connects them to the classroom. I'm Ryder Tracy, Head of Educational Transformation at Creatable, and in today's episode I have the great pleasure of talking with Matt Lawson, Chief Creative Officer for Deloitte Digital. Welcome Matt, thanks for joining us today. Hello Ryder, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm going to start this podcast with something that I know you're going to be a bit uh, cranky that I raise in the first bit. You have had an amazing journey from being named number one copywriter in the world to creating some of Australia's best loved ads. Can you tell us a little bit about your work uh, at Deloitte Digital? Yeah, no, I am. I'm not. Um, I'm not angry that you brought that up. I, I told you. I said, make sure you start the podcast with this one fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was. I was very. I very clear in my stipulations. Um, no, no. I. I'm glad you brought that up, um, Ryder. I know it's an interesting point. Like I, you know, although there is that accolade, number one copywriter in the world. Oh my god. Um, and in advertising, that's just an advertising writer. For anyone who doesn't know what a copywriter is, I always felt like I had to explain that at the start of my career. I think Mad Men made it easier for people understanding that. But um, it's just an advertising writer, which in and of itself is not a real writer. I would never consider myself a writer. And that's probably what brings me to Deloitte Digital. Like I, it was always ideas first. And if the idea rules everything and then you just find a way to bring it to life, just, you know, there's, there is no like one set way to bring an idea to life. The work we do at Deloitte Digital is helping clients to just transform their business through creativity. And that can mean so many different things. Uh, yeah, and, and if I was to d- dive into the actual work, um, all the different types of work we're doing, uh, one, it would take an hour and uh, may not be interesting for our audience. I'd like to think it would. I'd like to think it would, but it might take time. Fair enough. Well, one of, one of the bits in uh, your title, which I, I just I, ha- I love and I have to pick on, as, as the Chief Creative Officer, I probably should talk to you about creativity. <laughs> one, of the, one of the premises where we're kind of about is let's have a look at industry for these skills that are really important to the future. You know, no one is pushing back saying, hey, we don't want less creative kids. Like we want a creative workforce. We want problem solvers because they're the skills they're going to need. But when you get to the detail, you know, do you want people to be creative? Yes. Do you want to teach that? Yes. Okay, what do we mean when we say creative? And then there's a lot of opinion out there about what that means. So could you just maybe define or, or what creativity means to you? I don't know. There's my definition or the definition that I've found that I find most, most interesting, which is, you know, creativity is novelty that works. Like it's a new idea that is useful in some way. That's probably a truer definition of commercial creativity but i think no even even you know even a creative pursuit like painting you go it still has to it still has to you know that, the creativity still has to work for what you're trying to say i think there's still a real reason behind reason behind it because you know that that wackiness people can confuse that with creativity it's like oh i'm not i'm not creative i'm not wacky i don't think of wacky ideas or and you go oh, it's actually no it's, it's not to be confused with you know wackiness or thinking of like strange esoteric ideas i think creativity can be much more pragmatic than that i think that you know they should be wonderful lateral leaps that feel like they've come out of nowhere and and have no reference to anything in the world but is the perfect solution to that problem yeah i really i like that definition can i can i push on it a little bit more so 
Matt, do you think there's a link or a connection between curiosity and creativity? Just as you're talking there, it, it feels like there's an element of kind of inquisition, you know, or, um, yeah, curiosity, I guess, to, to help unlock creativity. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry to just repeat yes for the uh, full entirety of this podcast, but um, that's how vehement I believe that that to be true. Yes, 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 Ryder. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think if you did some study on it, you'd find that people who said, who admitted to being very curious would probably also admit to being creative because you can't help but connect things. And that's all creativity is, just connections, you know, and the more disparate those things are, the more interesting the idea is. And so if you are curious about lots of different things and really drill deep into them, then, you know, you won't, you, you won't be able to help yourself but connect them in interesting ways. And so I imagine the more curious, the more creative. And, and maybe the more creative, the more curious, because you, you'll want to know answers for interesting, creative questions that you've posed yourself. I look for curiosity in, in, in new hires. It raises two thoughts to me. You said that as you're looking for new hires, you know, you're looking for that sense of curiosity and an expression of it. And, and so it occurs to me that probably once they arrive and they're working with you and they've been successful on the grounds of having high levels of curiosity, that you must foster it to a degree? Like are there, are there systems or processes or anything that kind of, I guess I'm looking for replicatable things so that we can try and foster that, you know, in the, in the classrooms of today to promote the workforce of tomorrow. It's, it's, it's interesting because in school you, you know, you do fall into your own bubble. I remember I would, you know, I'd hang out with the same sorts of people and, and you know, you do need that cross-pollination to have interesting ideas and renewed um, inspiration and enthusiasm. I think at Deloitte Digital, we look for we look for as many opportunities as we can to break silos down or turn them on their side as more of a horizontal. But it's you know we talk about it as a connected creativity, and I think it's it's that an idea should be connected ecosystem of experiences. There's no one way to experience like an idea, and we'll try and bring that to life by connecting all the disparate parts of of Deloitte and Deloitte Digital. It's try and mix the teams up. And I'm not sure how you do that in a, in a, in a, in a classroom or a school. Forced, forced boundary breaking is, um, is never a bad idea. Yeah, it, I mean, there's, there's some fantastic work happening, um, breaking down silos within schools, particularly high schools, you know, and that interdisciplinary kind of play and, you know, some of those cross-curricular kind of priorities that come out. It's um it's interesting, I think, as a as a person, you know, you're kind of defined by your job role to a degree. You know, I wonder about when those perceptions occur, you know, as a student, you know, like I know if you walked into a year four classroom, uh, I'm not suggesting you do this, Matt, by the way. But um I I definitely will now. I definitely will. You shouldn't have <laughs> don't provoke me, Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you were to um to walk into a year four classroom and you asked all the kids to point at the student who was the best at maths, you know, if you just asked the question real plain English, who's the best at maths in here, they'd all point at the one or two students. Um, and it's probably the student who uh, has the quickest recall and automation of uh, core numeracy facts and has kind of uh, since kindergarten to year four you know, always had the hand up and the confidence to kind of answer in that forum. Um, if you did the same thing with who's the most creative student in this room, they probably would all point at the same student and it would be based on 
uh, rather than the automation of number facts, it would be based on probably their ability to draw or one of the kind of artistic um, kind of art. So I, I just, I wonder. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, no, it's interesting. I know, like, I know we've, we've, we we'll, like, have talked about this before and it's, it is, it's like, it's based on the craft. Yeah. Yeah, and it is funny. It'd be like saying um, the best writer is the person who can type the fastest. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, no, they're sort of, they're separate. And, and, and this is why people don't think that they're creative because you're not that, you know, it's, it's probably, you know, probability states that you're probably not going to be, most people aren't the number one drawer in the class. And there's always a kid who is just a little bit, who's focused on it a bit more, has been encouraged early and becomes good at drawing. And then so they're the, the creative kid. Um, but, every, you know, there are, you know, there are exceptional creatives, but everyone is creative. You, you, can, you, you can tell in conversation when someone says, I'm not creative, and then they'll be making leaps and, and um, uh, introducing tangents that do come back to the story to prove a point. It's, 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 it's so interesting, you know, meeting people who are clearly creative who say they're, say they're not. It, it might be a lot of, it might be most people because humans are naturally creative and expressive. Um, and, it's, and it's so weird that it's, it's been, it was so linked to the craft um, mm. you know, of something like drawing that we just, yeah, that they get celebrated and then everyone else thinks, oh, I'm not, a, I'm not creative. I can't do that. And so you just, you, su- you suppress it. Yeah. It gets suppressed. And then you stop trying, right? Yeah. And, and then you just, then that muscle dies. That's right. Or, or they, even, even the, com- even the confidence dies, which is probably the most important thing. I think, you know, cause people who have the confidence to think they're a creative person do put more ideas out there, get celebrated for them. You know, and so just that muscle, you know, even the, the confidence gets that gets strengthened with every workout, and um, and then you you become a creative, you become what people say is a creative person, but you're a well trained creative person as well, and so you know anything with training, you become a superhuman. Like Olympians are superhumans. It's it's superhuman the amount of effort they've put in, and yes, there would have been some genetic leg ups, but the confidence is the is the is the biggest thing. And I think it also that people don't realize that there's creativity in every subject. When I look back to high school, you go, oh, the creative students did art and drama and graphic design. Science is, is creativity. In the Enlightenment, a lot of those scientists were also poets. It's, you know, in, in school, like, they're so separate. Looking back, and this is, this is a while ago, so you know, apologies, it's just not the case now. But it's, you know, there was, you are, you are into arts or you're into science. You know, and they weren't the one thing. Even you were into sport or you were into creativity. Like they were sort of seen as different things when, you know, everyone knows the best sports people are, um, are, are really creative and intuitive and, and, and try new things. And that's how, that's, how, that's how everything moves forward. So there is, there is creativity in everything. And so I think it gets, it gets uh, siloed, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think um, when you think back to your experiences growing up, Based on the conversation we've been having, you know, there must have been a trigger or a moment or a prompt uh, where you sort of thought that you had some creativity or some talent or a, an inclination towards being creative. Uh, yeah, like I was always interested in drawing, but then I was interested in inventions, and I'd um, I think Young Einstein, Young Einstein, it came out when I was a kid. And I like that he invented stuff, and, and I think that opened my mind to what else? What else could you do? And I was I was thinking about this recently. There was a time that I had remembered, and I was like, oh, that's I can that moment. The fork of destiny shot out sideways at that moment, and I followed a new path. 
you know, we went on a school excursion when we were in prep um, and to the uh, Botanical Gardens in Melbourne. Um, and it was a beautiful lake there. And, uh, and there was reeds floating on the lake. And I remember grabbing one and grabbing my uh, an elastic band from my lunch and thinking, you know what? I'm going to try and make a bow and arrow. And as a five-year-old, that might even be alarming. He's trying to make a bow and arrow. And that, but it was too flexible. It was too flexible and it, and it bent round on itself and almost touched with the rubber band. And I was like, oh, it sort of looks like a boat now. It looks like a, like a rubber dinghy, like a boat. I remember thinking as a kid and, um, and, and it was just simple iterative steps that got to this. And then I was like, oh, and you could probably wind up the rubber band like my plane I've got at home where you wind up propeller. And you put a little flat piece of tan bark in there and you could make like a, like a, it's like a paddle steamer. I've seen like paddle. I remember putting that in and winding it up and then putting it in the river and in the lake and it going and it shot up and like went pretty fast and then slowed down and just drifted. The other kids were like, oh my God, give me, give me a read. Oh my God, we're making boats and grab my, anyone got a rubber band? And I remember the teacher <laughs> wondering, she's like, she couldn't believe that I hadn't seen it somewhere. She's like, where did, so where did you say it? No, no, but seriously, I mean, did you, have you, had someone taught you that? And I was like, oh no, I just sort of, no, I just, and then I did this and I did this and it's just like, you know, I think when you think through the steps, it wasn't that much of a leap, but jumping straight to, uh, you know, a, a rubber, rubber band powered boat, <laughs> um, it did seem like a leap, but I remember thinking then and seeing all the other kids like trying to make them and playing with them and being amazed and um, and having an adult go like not this couldn't even comprehend how you thought of this idea. I was like, oh, this feels so, this feels great. This is amazing. Oh my god, yeah, I could I'll do this. Yeah, like this is an, an idea that was just came out of nowhere. It's now spreading and it's having impact. And you know, and I also like the story because it was a failure. It was a like a, it was a it was a failure that through creativity became a success. It turns out like a really bad bow and arrow is an incredible boat. That's, yeah, and I think that's the, that's the lesson for today. Looking back at that, I go, oh, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, I can see how that's how I tried to engineer an entire life around making, just making, you know, how can you, how can you see something differently, use it in a different way? You've looked at something differently and thought, what else could we do with this? Yeah, and for that, that teacher in that moment, Matt, you know, we always talk about teachable moments, you know, and the fact that her response to that in that moment was, uh, inquiry and kind of shining a light on your creative process in that instant um you know it's something it's really hard to do in in school unless you kind of plan for it like those serendipitous moments are really hard to capture um but they're so impactful you know it's the kind of underlying piece that that sits there now that you are, are blessed with this creative source um uh, i've got a question for you i spoke to a creative strategist from facebook uh, a few weeks ago and she was telling me that one of her worries when she first came into the role was that she had a finite number of creative thoughts you know she was waking up each morning worried that today might be the day you know she used up her 150th good creative idea um so what <laughs> what do you think about that idea or is there a creativity quota out there i don't think like that i think that would um i should definitely have a chat with her and i don't know try and ease that anxiety because it's like when you know and there's a theory i'm sure it's not a prevailing theory that you know your heart has only a certain number of beats and and you, then when you use them up that's it that's it um there is no science behind that theory but i remember someone telling me about it and i was going oh my god if you believed that you wouldn't do anything 
you would seize up in anxiety. And it's similar to that, to the idea theory, the quota. Um, you go, I think it's, it'd make it worse. You would seize up and you'd go, oh, is that the last idea? Is that the last, have I, have I run out? I can't think of something for the last half an hour. Have I run out? Whereas creativity is the most incredible resource on earth because the more you use, the more you have. Like it's, it's an infinite resource. Like, you know, you will think of ideas and which will inspire other ideas. You will, um, you know, you will think of ideas that will make you curious towards looking into this. That will then feed other ideas. And I think you've also got to have the belief that it is infinite um, and, and, you've, and, and an idea will come and you've just got to enjoy it, enjoy the process. Well, that, that leads me to think then that um, I'm not out of ideas. I'm just blocked, you know. So do you ever have that creativity block? Like is there a way that you foster your own creativity or get through it? I, I try and remember that it, this is so fun. This is the best fun. This is like I can't believe I've got an hour to think of ideas. And I think fun loosens, the, you know, joy loosens things up. You know, creativity is having an interesting conversation just with yourself. And so interesting conversations always come from interesting questions. Like yourself, Ryder, these have been excellent questions. I'm not saying that this is an interesting conversation, but they have been great. They have been great questions. But I, you know, so just I, you know, I try and ask myself interesting questions and to unblock it, and then you naturally just yeah go for a wander. Um, but I realise creativity is it's like it's just a walk. It's a walk in one direction, and it's all forward. You never have to walk back. It should be joyful, but it should be a moment of relaxation where you don't don't try and force it too much, but just. Um, have moments of quiet curiosity that take you somewhere near. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the, the thinking behind the. Uh, I can sit at my computer here for the next six hours to try and crack this, um, and as soon as I walk away and you know have a shower or go for a walk or whatever it is, you know you're not actively trying to solve. Um, your brain finds a way to kind of find the solution. Yeah, yeah, and don't and don't get me wrong. There's still the hard graft of craft that you just sometimes need to sit down and chisel away at it. And, and, and it's, it might be, you know, four hours of writing and crafting, but I um, spend a bit of time in a hammock when I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's um, the blood flowing to the head. I'm not sure if it's just the swaying in the breeze, but it's, yeah, I, I like, I, I find that is useful to me or going for a walk or, you know, when I look through the my portfolio ideas that I'm most proud of, you know, it's like um, beach, fishing, hammock, 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 uh, next door river. It's never, oh, right, yeah, cubicle, um, hiding in a cupboard, trying to do a podcast for Ryder. It's, um, there's probably a few teachers out there saying, uh, well, as much as I'd like to set my hammock up, you know, at school and in the classroom, it's not a reality of what I've got. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but when you, but you know, when you're doing, yeah, if you're thinking of a new lesson plan or lesson or way to bring something to life, um, treat yourself, treat yourself to a bit of hammock time. <laughs> Stop hammock time. Very nice, yeah, from the hammock district. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I apologise. That was the first time I've ever said that. It seemed like something. I, it seemed like a t-shirt I would have. Actually, I would like that as a t-shirt. Stop hammock time. Feel free to edit that out, Sophie. <laughs> um, hey, I had a. a, a a question that I've been finishing each podcast with, which I'd, I'd like your take on. The, the question is, imagine a scenario where every 10-year-old in the world had one lesson with Matt Lawson 
And at the end of that lesson, your one learning intention was going to stick with every kid. So that's a pretty big responsibility. What would that lesson be? What would you want every 10-year-old in the world to carry with them? Oh, it's every 10-year-old in the world. I've got everyone, every 10-year-old is it, everyone's in one class, just so I can help, just to help my imagination, every 10-year-old is in one class classroom. It's, uh, well, uh, we can tap into any technology. So we can be um, uh, differentiated learning experience for every child around the globe that's going to resonate with them and they're going to walk away with the learning. I have no idea. What do I tell every 10-year-old in the world? There's so much pressure um, that gives me anxiety. But learning from my own lessons, I will now relax and have fun with this. What else can it be? Like maybe that's maybe that's it. And I think, you know, and to, to wrap up our bow and arrow boat story, I think it is a really important lesson to, to look at something and think, but what else could it be? Even you look at the world and you go, yeah, but what else? Like what else could we... Things are not set. Nothing is set. You know, they, they have those interesting creative activities where it's just like, yeah, this is a shoe, but what else could it be? And every, and every kid could be celebrated because they would all have an answer for that. And, and, how, and how would we make that what else useful? How could we bring that to life? Nothing is, nothing is set and everything can be different and better. Yeah, I think it's a great one. There's a traditional, like, you know, kind of connecting in the creativity we've talked about here. There's a pretty famous you know, creativity test, how to test for creative genius. And you hand it a paperclip, you know, and um, tell me what you can do with this. And traditionally, kindergarten students, you know, kids sort of under seven, um, come up with a 100 things, you know, because they're not bound by, oh, it's too big, it's too small, it's too heavy, it's too light. And then once we've put them through our education system, you know, the year 12 students or the uni, first year uni students or the, you know, school leavers, uh, they can come up with sort of five or six things, you know. It can be a paperclip, um, you know, it could also be a paperclip, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and yeah, that's kind yeah. of like, yeah. you know, we stagnate that that creativity. So I think the idea of what else um, kind of embedding, because we are going through a global shift, you know, different to the Middle Ages one, but... Um, you know, there's new problems that are going to need to be solved and we're going to need to look differently at the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping for another renaissance. I think we're all, you know, we're all set and I think, of course, it's going to be the kids. And just like the renaissance, it was education that revolutionized, revolutionized everything. Um, and so it was, it was a, a radical revamp of education that created the renaissance. So thank you very much for that as well, teachers. Thanks for the renaissance. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for um, joining us today in your busy schedule. And the whole premise here is that people take what works for them and apply it and uh, they discard the other bits. And I think there's some really, really powerful kind of connection points in there that I'll reflect on. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. No, thanks, Ryder. It's been great. Reflecting on my conversation with Matt, I really appreciated his commitment to answering authentically. It felt real and it felt like he believed it. His definition of creativity as creativity as novelty that works really appealed to me. He made me think that if ideas breed ideas and creativity breeds creativity, then we as educators have an opportunity to help our students down that path. We can help them strengthen their creative muscles because they're going to need them in the coming renaissance. Thanks for listening to Dot to Dot. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't, what you'd like more of, or what you learned. Reviews help us reach more listeners so that we can keep bringing you awesome conversations about what you want to hear about. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date with each episode as they come out. Dot to Dot is a creatable podcast hosted by me, Ryder Tracy, and produced by Sophie Ellis. This episode was recorded on Darawal and Darug country. Catch you next week.